Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. A Memorial Day coming up, but uh, got to work a full week this week before we get an extra day on our weekend. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to talking with you this morning. I've been sitting here uh, typing uh, a tweet on my keyboard that I've retracted and did not send. So maybe a small amount of growth in my life, which we'll cover in the faith portion of the podcast. Um, but it gives me a pretty good reason to, um, condense my thoughts about what I was going to share with you this morning. So that's a great thing. So let's get right to it. The top of the, uh, podcast news today is that Phil Mickelson is a major golf champion at the age of 50 years and 11 months. Very, very cool. And that'll be most of the sports content of the podcast today, which you don't have to care about golf at all or be a golfer at all to appreciate the accomplishment. I think it's uh, an amazing accomplishment, and I will give you some numbers on why that is. But first, let me remind you that Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee also uh, has accomplished some amazing things in the life of its business because it married its business interest and its missionary interest helping people around the world to, uh, you know, into a really cool thing. And you get the opportunity to participate in that and to drink great coffee and to support a great cause and yes, to support this podcast. So all of that wrapped into one with Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. You get a 15% discount when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, which I hope you will do. And I hope you will become a repeat customer of the uh, folks at Hemisphere Coffee coffee roasters coffee because they're great people they buy their coffee direct from growers around the world and that means uh, places like thailand nicaragua indonesia uh, do great things for growers in those areas the money in the local economy makes a huge difference and by the way you get put in touch with quality coffee that you wouldn't get to experience anywhere else so please uh, give it a try if you haven't tried it already. All I ask is you give it a try one time. If you don't like it, I understand, but actually I don't understand because nobody who's ever uh, tried it uh, has told me that, nah, I tried it once. It wasn't that great. They all say, man, phenomenal stuff. So uh, there you go. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee and uh, use the promo code we Tackle Life in all caps. Sorry, I was trying to uh, type in one last factoid that I needed an answer to before I got into Phil Mickelson and the PGA Championship. So if I seemed a little detached during that read or a little halting during that read, that's why. So Phil Mickelson wins the PGA Championship. Okay, so he comes in 115th in the world. Nobody's naming him. I didn't name him. Uh, I pick Will Zalatoris, which that was a complete like shot in the dark. But if you'd have told me one of these two guys is going to win, Will Zalatoris or Phil Mickelson, I'd have said, well, Will Zalatoris is going to win because he's been up there in the last couple majors and Phil hasn't. Phil had not won a major uh, since 2013, uh, which eight years. That's a big gap. That shocked me because it seemed to me like his win at the British Open was more recent than that. Now, he contended against Henrik Stenstrom a couple years uh, after that, but... I would have told you that Phil had not gone eight years between majors. Uh, that's a, an amazing gap. Now, it's not the biggest gap ever. Uh, Tiger went from the 2008 U.S. Open to the 2019 Masters. So that's an 11-year gap. And Jack, when Jack won the uh, Masters in 1986, 
he had won the PGA in 1980. So that's a six-year gap. Jack was 46. Uh, Tiger's just a little over 40 when he won the Masters. And Phil's 50. So Phil's the oldest guy ever to win a major. All right. Phil uh, outdueled Brooks Kepka, which given Brooks Kepka, even with a knee injury and what he's done winning two of the last three entering this one, two of the last three PGAs, and two of the last three U.S. Opens, I would have thought Brooks was going to outduel him. Brooks just is a big, strong, strapping dude who can overpower a golf course and who has a great uh, mind, uh, who is not um, undone by the pressure of the moment. And Phil's 50, and there's a reason why guys 50 haven't won majors, because it takes a lot of mental strength to win a major. So I would have bet on Brooks. I would have bet on Louis Oosthuizen. I would have bet on... Probably a lot of guys in that field um, Sunday. Well, not a lot Sunday because Phil had, you know, he's up there. But at any rate, what a great scene. Uh, Phil winning. Now, golf has to figure this part out. I know the fans were back for the first time, and it's been a while since we've had, you know, fans at a major, but you cannot have fans storming the fairway at the end of a match and putting. Sorry, a little yawn there. And putting golfers in jeopardy. They put Phil Mickelson in jeopardy. They put Brooks Kepka in jeopardy. They put their caddies in jeopardy. And Brooks Kepka was hot about it afterward, and he should have been hot about it because he has a surgically repaired knee, and he was fighting through that, and you don't want people um, impeding your path. Golfers have a right to compete in their um, arena without being mobbed by fans. They have a right to compete, even though I think it's kind of silly, uh, with quiet during their backswing and stuff like that. They have a right to play, except at the Ryder Cup, without people chanting, bogey, bogey. That was out of line yesterday when they did that to Brooks. Brooks knows they're rooting for Phil. I get that. He gets that. But still, you can't root against the guy. That's not golf. We do not want golf to become uh, what other sports are with the cat calling and all that. Although I do think it'd be great if they played one golf tournament a year where people could yell, scream, do anything they wanted to in the middle of your backswing. Although nobody would play that tournament who's ranked in the top 25 because they wouldn't put up with the nonsense. But I just think that uh, it's pretty uh, pretty amazing that, you know, they did that. So um, the guys at Kiowa lost control of the scene, but thankfully Phil came through it. Thankfully Brooks came through it. Brooks was a little upset, said his knee got knocked around a little bit. I don't know. That might have been an emotional reaction. After the match, but Phil wins it because he uh, holed out for birdie from the sand at like the fifth hole, and Brooks lost it because, as big and strong as he is, you can't shoot, uh, you can't, you can't uh, play the par fives in three over, and he played the par fives in three over, uh, at least on the front side, the two par fives. He doubled one and he bogeyed the other one. That's the tournament right there. So let's talk a little bit about Phil's place in golf, okay? Because Phil has now six majors. Tiger has, what, 13? Jack has 16? Let's see how many Tiger has. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Tiger has 15 majors. Uh, he's not going to get 16. Or Jack has 18. I'm sorry. He's not going to get 18. Tiger's not going to get another one. Tiger's not going to win another tournament. He's done. His car accident, that's it. That's it for him. Um... I hope he gets back out and plays again. 
but I think that's a stretch too. Walking 72 holes for Tiger Woods with his leg injuries, that's going to be a real stretch. He might play a senior tour. They might let him take a cart senior tour. I don't know, but uh, someday, 20 years from now, are we going to see Tiger and Phil ceremonial starters at the first uh, tee of the Masters on Thursday? I hope so. I hope so. Tiger and Phil have a little bit of a Jack and Arnie thing going on. Um, Arnie had his own moment in the sun, which Phil never really had that before Tiger became a thing. Jack, Arnie had that over Jack. Arnie was the king. Phil was never the king. But Arnie was the people's guy, and Jack became the people's guy. Now, now Tiger was the people's guy, but not because he had people skills. Tiger became the people's guy because people were just amazed at the brilliance of his golf. When Tiger first began to dominate golf, I was a David Duvall guy. David Duvall was like world number one then. And I loved David Duvall because he was flatline. He was what a golfer should be. Tiger was, you know, a cusser, a swearer, a thrower of clubs, but he just was an amazing player. And there got to a point where it became silly to root against Tiger Woods. You had to admire the talent. Tiger is the kind of a guy who you admire because his talent is just so sheerly overpowering and awesome that you'd be a fool to not admire him. Phil has always been a guy who originally I thought Phil was a phony. I've said this many times. Phil was a phony originally. I was wrong on that. I don't think Phil's a phony. I think some of Phil's, you know, aw shucks routine is played up. But when you saw Phil on the phone to his wife, Amy, after the tournament, that's genuine. So here's the thing. Didn't I mention the other day Chris Spielman's GVF theory? God is very fair. Nobody gets it all. <laughs> Tiger got all the majors. He didn't get the personal life, right? Tiger's a train wreck in his personal life. He's ruined his wife Elon's life, kind of, although she got a ton of money. He's not been a great dad because you're not a great dad if you cheat on your wife. Um, Phil didn't get the majors. He got six. So it's a lot, but it's not, you know, it's not Tiger. It's not Jack. Um, but Phil got the rest of it. Phil got the personal life. Phil got the adoration of the fans. Phil got the everyman type stuff. Phil... That was cool to see him yesterday. I've come full circle on Phil. When Tiger cheated on his wife and his whole personal life turned out to be a fraud, I became a Phil guy because I'm a family guy. I'm a guy who admires that. I'm a guy who admires somebody who won't put anything other than their relationship with Christ, and I don't think Phil has one that I know of, uh, ahead of their family. That's how a person should be. My opinion, my podcast, but that's how a person should be. And, you know, the one thing you can't say about Tiger and Phil is that Tiger's more competitive than Phil or Tiger's more single-minded than Phil or Tiger's more dedicated than Phil. Phil is single-minded, dedicated, dialed in on golf, not to the expense of family. Tiger put everything, golf was number one with Tiger. And I'm afraid Tiger's going to get to be old and he's going to realize that he... Um, this accident may be good for Tiger in that it may force him to face the end of his golf career and give him time while he's still a young man to um, experience the joy of life on a different level than just fame and riches and golf can give him. 
I hope that for Tiger because while being Tiger and being a great champion would be great, I do think there's a level of contentment in life that Phil has experienced that Tiger has not. And I believe that's a better level of contentment than just sheer athletic excellence can bring you. Tiger's life has always seemed to me like he's chasing after one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. John D. Rockefeller, a famous Standard Oil millionaire, was asked one time, how many millions are enough? How many more millions do you want to make? And John Rockefeller said, just one more, just one more. That is a fraught with peril philosophy on life. Always wanting more. We prize that. Everybody goes, oh, just, I love the guy who's never satisfied and he's always striving and he never rests on his laurels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I get it. But I also know that that is not where contentment and joy is found um, because you're always, by definition, wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. I've fallen victim to that in my life at times. Um, And I think, too, it also is dangerous in that you prioritize a certain accomplishment for so long. If I could only, if I could only, man, if I wish I could. And when you get there, you find that it's not what you've made it out to be because you've made it out to be so much more than it could ever be. Uh, One of my favorite movies of all time is The Sting. Okay. The Sting is an old movie. It's a 1970s movie. It was written by David S. Ward from Cleveland. David S. Ward's first screenplay was The Sting. He got Robert Redford and Paul Newman at the height of their careers to, to play the lead characters, Johnny Hooker and Henry Gondorf, in his movie The Sting. It won like seven Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Screenplay. David S. Ward's on top of the world. Okay, And... David S. Ward is the guy who also wrote Major League with Charlie Sheen and, you know, all that. So two completely different kinds of movies. One was artistic and beautiful, and the other one, Major League, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences would have never looked at as best of anything. But it's an iconic movie as well. At the end of The Sting, the thrust of The Sting is, which I'm going to give you a spoiler alert because the movie's like 30 years old. (laughs) The Sting, the whole predicate of The Sting is that two guys are con men and they're trying to exact revenge on a very wealthy person who uh, killed one of the two con men's friends had them killed okay so what they want to do their only way a con man can get even is to con this rich guy out of millions of dollars or in that case i think it was a million dollars and um the the art of the con robert uh, uh, Paul Newman tells Robert Redford in the middle of the movie when they're plotting their revenge, he tells him, you have to con this guy and you have to con him so well that at the end of the movie, at the end of the con, he doesn't even know he's been conned. Because if he does know he's been conned, what's he going to do? He's going to kill you like he killed your pal, right? If he knows he's been conned, he's going to come look for you and kill you. But if he doesn't know he's been conned, then he'll leave you alone. So you have to con him in a way that he doesn't even know he's been conned. And so they do it. They pull it off. It's, a, it's amazing. And the ending of the movie will like totally blow you away. And at the very, very end, after the climax of the movie, Newman turns to Newman's character turns to Redford's character. And they're looking at each other like with this look of satisfaction in their eyes over, we did it, we did it, we did it. 
And Redford, who is the um, younger of the two con men in the movie, full knowing full well, you know that they've had this conversation earlier in the movie where Paul Newman's character has told him, "You not only have to con him, you have to con him in a way that he doesn't even know he's been conned." And when you con him, and if you get away with it. Don't be trying to get additional revenge because that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to get. You're going to con him out of his money, but you're not going to get the satisfaction you think you're going to get because he killed your friend and you're not going to be able to kill him. You're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to pull that off. You're going to be able to take his money, but that's all you're going to get. And it's got to be enough. And Redford at the end of the movie, his character, after they con the guy out of a million dollars, Redford looks at at um, Paul uh, Newman's character, and he says, it's not, you're right, it's not enough. You're right, it's not enough, but it's close. Tiger and Phil have this kind of Redford and, and Newman thing going on, where Phil gets to be the oldest player in the world to win a major, and he gets six majors. He'd like to have... 15 like Tiger. But Phil also gets the family and the adoring wife and the adoring kids. And Phil's kids will never look at him and know and look at him with that look in their eye like, you hurt my mom. That'll never happen to Phil. Phil stood by Amy when she had breast cancer and he walked her through the whole thing. And Phil was going to leave the U.S. Open, the only major he hasn't won. He was going to leave the U.S. Open one year because his Wife was going to have a baby, and he wanted to be there to have to see the baby. And he left some tournament one year. He skipped because he wanted to go to his kid's high school graduation. So Tiger's gotten to experience things Phil hasn't. And Phil may sit there and go, man, I wish I'd have gotten to it. I wish I'd have gotten the career grand slam. I wish I'd have won this many masters. I wish I'd have won this. So F- Tiger's got something Phil can't have, and Phil's got something Tiger can't have. They've both made their choices, and I would argue that Phil has chosen wisely. And I hope it's enough for Phil because he should sit back right now and look at his career. And I don't think he's done. I mean, he'd love to win the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. It's in his backyard where he grew up. That would be a phenomenal story. I'm not sure that you get that. Remember, GVF, God is very fair. Nobody gets it all. So I don't think Phil's going to get the U.S. Open in the career Grand Slam. But he does have an adoring wife and an adoring family. And everybody knows Phil Mickelson to be a genuinely nice man. And Tiger... Everybody admires Tiger. Everybody likes Tiger. Everybody's kind of felt sorry for Tiger because of his accident and because of his peccadilloes that consumed him and stuff like that. But Tiger was always searching for one more, just one more. And um, you see that, you know, the fruit of the fruit of his life. He's chosen. He's lived the life he's chosen. And um, and that's what I think about that. Okay, so. I hope you choose my friends at auinfo.com to shepherd you through the health, uh, disability, vision, dental selection process for benefits for your employees. If you don't, you're making a big mistake because you're giving away a great free service. AUI gets paid. Don't worry about that. They're not pro bono, but they get paid by the insurance companies that they do business with. You don't pay them. So why would you not use them? I don't know. If you're an individual, they'll also help you. They also won't charge you. So there you go. Great way to uh, benefit from someone else who traffics in that area's expertise. 
All you employers who are trying to get people to come back to work, you're trying to rebuild your staff, you're trying to retain your staff, benefits is a great way to do it. And why waste all the time that you have uh, trying to figure out, oh, is this benefit better? Is that benefit better? There's always hidden things you don't know about. AUI knows all that stuff. They can put you in a Chamber of Commerce plan. They can tell you uh, secrets like you can join any chamber in the state of Ohio and pick any Chamber of Commerce plan. My own understanding would be, oh, I want the Columbus Chamber plan. Well, I got to join the Columbus Chamber. What if the Columbus Chamber charges two grand to be a member and the Cleveland Chamber charges 200 I don't know, but I know this. AUI knows, and they'll put you in uh, a situation where you save more money and get better benefits. So auiinfo.com. That's auiinfo.com. I have confessed to you guys before that there are many times in my life where I know I shouldn't do something and I go ahead and do it. I have this very sinful part of me that likes to get the last word, that likes to um, make sure I'm heard, right? That is not godly. Um, in Second Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about our model for life is to be like Jesus, who though he was insulted, he did not respond to those threats, though they spit on him and put a crown of thorns on his head. He... Uh, suffered it silently. Uh, and he, Peter says, trusted himself to him who judges justly. Who judges justly? Only God. God is, a, God is perfectly just, he's perfectly holy, and he's perfect love. And he never ceases to be any of those three things. I covered that in a recent podcast. So I wanted to fire off a tweet this morning when I read a tweet from a woman I do not know, but her name, uh, she is the, the women's softball coach at Michigan. Now, this is not a, an Ohio State-Michigan thing. She used a word that is often used in our society that I know I've used a lot, and every time I use it and every time I hear it, and I would also say this to you, alarm bells should ring. Consider it a spiritual checkpoint in your life when you hear the word deserve with a pronoun, okay? I deserve, we deserve. It has become a hot-button word to me. It has become an alarm bell to me because I play that card, have played that card a lot. Less so as a father because your kids play it enough that you don't have to play it. Um, we told our girls early on that life is not fair. Everybody, I think a lot of people want to pretend or aspire to life being fair. Your life will be a lot more content if you understand and process the fact that life's not fair. What did Spiels just say? in absentia on the podcast. God is very fair, but God doesn't give everybody the same amount of ability, talent, uh, resources, all that. But God is fair, okay? Tiger got this, Phil got that. Is God fair to both? Yes, God is always fair. To be unfair would not be in God's nature. God is perfectly just, so he's perfectly fair. But life is not fair. God wants different things from each one of us. He equips each one of us differently. Some people 
I can't explain the complexity of why some people are sexually abused and why some are not. I can't explain the complexity of why some people are handicapped and some are not. My brother is handicapped. I'm not. Is that fair? Not to me. He's never said it, but I would think not to him. But he's never questioned it. And we will get a, an understanding, I believe, if we're entitled to one, I don't know, in eternity. But I know that God is perfect love, he's perfect justice, and he's perfect purity. So this woman, this Michigan softball coach, was tweeting about her team flying home today from a regional or a tournament or something, an NCAA tournament, that they got off the field late at night and they had a flight at 4.15 a.m. Pacific time. And she's, she wrote a tweet to the NCAA tournament, we deserve better. I recently saw this same exact thought conveyed in an opinion piece in the Columbus Dispatch from a quote-unquote pastor. He's a heretic. He's not a pastor anybody should follow. Talking about the selection of the, Colum- the next Columbus police chief and how as a community member, as a person who has perceived influence in the community, the community deserves something. The reason why that word chafes my sensibilities is because I believe that if you can shed devotion to the word deserve, you will be much closer to living the Christian life God wants you to live and is calling you to live and is calling me to live because Jesus tells us to put down our deserve (laughs) and pick up his cross. Did he get what he deserved? Jesus, who lived a sinless life, a blameless life, a faultless life, a perfect life, and bore the sin of all of humanity on his body so that we could be forgiven? He got what he did not deserve so that we can get eternal life, forgiveness, salvation, restoration, redemption, justification, peace, harmony with God, fellowship with God, eternity with God. We got all that or have access to all that, and we do not deserve it at all. So the word deserve is a real warning If you're married to deserve, you are married to things of the world. You are married to the things Satan wants you to be married to, allied with, have an allegiance to. You are grasping, holding tightly to making things happen yourself or forcing others to bend to your will. Is that a godly attitude? Is that a Christ-like attitude? Does that remind you of how Jesus lived his life? Of course not. Of course not. So it does not show the presence of Christ's influence in our life. And Again, what's the test for whether Christ is inside of us, whether his Holy Spirit is inside of us? If it is, then we have the the seed, the Spirit of God in us to 
bring forth new life. And how's that new life? What's the test? The fruit in our life, the produce in our life, the product in our life. And what will it be? Well, it'll be love. It'll be joy. It'll be peace. It'll be patience. It'll be kindness. It'll be gentleness. It'll be understanding. You didn't hear deserve in there, did you? No. You won't hear deserve in there because deserve is, I deserve it, selfish. It's putting self above everyone else. So I didn't send the tweet. I, I, I had a tweet on my screen like, deserve is an interesting word. Let's compare your ticket sales revenue to your expenses to see if you can make an earthly case as to whether or not you deserve it. A better word is gratitude for the fact that, hey, you get to go play in the tournament and you had an awesome experience with your girls and you're doing a great job coaching the team because you're in your, I think, 35th year and you've, you've done a great job. So, you know, make years and years ago, I watched the show. I don't remember why uh, the Osmond brothers were on this show. And it was after they weren't like teen heartthrobs anymore. They were like adults. And Donnie Osmond was on this show and he was a dad. And Donnie Osmond talked about one of the things that he does as a dad when circumstances are tough or kids are whiny or kids are whatever is to say, let's make a game out of it. Let's make a game out of it. Yeah, this isn't fun. And yeah, this is, but let's make a game out of it. In other words, let's lighten the mood. Let's laugh at life. Let's try to find the good in this. And I, and I, I, my wife, my wife is an awesome woman. She is so much different than me. Thank, thank you, Lord. She brings the best out of me. She puts up with the worst of me. Oh, really? <laughs> Does she ever put up with the worst of me for years and years? She's amazing. And she's always hung on to that. Let's make a game out of it. It's a joke in our family. Hey, let's make a game out of it. It lightens the mood. Wouldn't it have been cool if that Michigan coach today, where they got to get up at 4.15 and la, 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 la. Let's make a game out of it. Let's see who can be in the best mood. Let's see who can make somebody laugh. Let's, let's lighten it up. Would everybody enjoy the day a lot more than if a coach is mad because this isn't fair? We're girls softball players, and we got to get up at 4.15, and we played last night, and nah. Does it change anything? doesn't change anything. doesn't change anything. In the leadership training that I've taken, one of the most useful tools is called TFA. T stands for thoughts. F stands for feelings. A stands for actions. TFA. If you want to change your actions, you want to not be grouchy because it's 4.15 Pacific time and you got to catch a flight, then you got to change your feelings because you're tired and you're grouchy and you're hungry and you're sweaty and whatever. But how do you change your feelings? You got to change your thoughts rather than think, man, this stinks. We had it. We had got off the field last night. We didn't have time to eat. We didn't have, I want to be like, man, I'm a college kid and somebody's paying for me to go. I don't have to pay to go fly to the West coast and play in a softball tournament. I'm here with all my teammates I love these girls. They're my teammates. This is awesome. God gave me the ability to play softball. We're chasing a championship. This coach believes in me. I'm getting a free education. I'm getting a break on my education cost-wise. How many different thoughts could they have thought to change the feelings that they had to change the actions that they were experiencing? And I don't mean to pile on this Michigan softball team. I do the same thing every day. You do the same thing every day. But we don't, we don't want what we deserve. 
We don't want, I don't want what I deserve. Man, please, Lord, don't ever give me what I deserve. Because I deserve to be totally separated from God forever because of my sinful attitudes, because of my snarky attitude, because of my mean tweets, because of my selfishness, because of my on and on and on. We don't have enough. I'd run out of the podcast time here if I went on and on and on. Thank goodness. No, thank, thank God above and his son Jesus for what he did at the cross, for the fact that I don't get what I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. And I don't think you should want it either because I don't think you're perfect. I know you're not. Jesus was. So he did not lash out. He came to earth to suffer unjustly, to take what he did not deserve so that we could get what we do not deserve, forgiveness, redemption, eternal life, peace with God. So that's what I leave with you today is think about how fortunate we are that we don't get what we deserve. Use that tool. Change your thoughts to change your feelings, to change your actions. Make a game out of it. Make a game out of it. No matter what is going on that's bad, focus on what is good. I'm not trying to give you like a Dale Carnegie happy talk, you know, but when you understand what you've been forgiven of, when you understand what is available to you through Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice at the cross, I think it'll change your perspective and you'll love the life that you have, whether it's a life with six majors like Phil Mickelson, a life with 15 majors like Tiger Woods, a life with no majors like Bruce Hooley. You will love your life because we have, none of us have gotten what we deserve. And I'm happy about that. I hope you are as well. So with that, I will leave you and uh, wish you a great uh, start to your week. I'll talk to you Wednesday. Until then, have a great day.